everyone, and welcome to episode 351 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Fred Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's up this fine Monday, Richard? Hey, Seth. Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderfully. Uh, we had a, some pretty interesting stuff to talk about today. I'm kind of excited for this cast. Some really cool topics. But before we get into all that, we got another co-host in Krim. What's up today, Krim? Uh, nothing much. Just a, a pretty sweet drop uh, for Secret Lair. Happy to see it back. So excited to talk about lots of things today. Yeah, so as an overview of what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to start off with some bannings and changes to Historic. We're going to talk about a Color Pie article that came out today with some interesting nuggets of information from Mark Rosewater about what the Color Pie looks like and how it's changing in 2021. We got a huge list of secret layer drops, including our second uh, Universes Beyond, I guess, secret layer drop featuring another IP. So we're going to talk about that and then, of course, answer some fish mail at the end. So that's the plan for the cast today. A quick reminder before we get into it that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit, you've probably heard about them from us before. They are a great way to sell your magic cards. And they have a new service called the Curated Shipment Option, which is geared towards selling smaller batches of valuable cards. And as with all Card Conduit services, you don't got to sort your cards or grade your cards. None of those hassles. You can just safely package them up and ship them out. And of course, you'll get a detailed report with all the results. And you can check out Card Conduit's a curated shipment option is a way to buy list up to 150 cards with fast processing and optimized prices. And for the month of October, Card Conduit is waiving the service fee on their curated shipment option. You can try it for absolutely free by going to cardconduit.com slash goldfish and using the code scoops. Card Conduit slash goldfish. Use the code scoops. You can try it for free. You can try it for free. Card Conduit. They're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. That was a uh, that was smooth. First try. Uh, yeah, got first it. try. First, we got there. We got there. A couple punts along the way, but we got there. Anyway, let's talk some magic and let's start with changes to historic. So we got kind of like usual in historic, a surprise BNR announcement with some pretty big changes and something we've never seen before in the history of the game, which is rebalancing of existed cards. Richard, what did uh, what happened in historic this week? All right, we got. Three cards, I guess two new cards on the chopping block. So Tybalt's Trickery, now banned in Historic. Memory Lapse, suspended in Historic. And Brainstorm is officially banned. It was previously suspended. Uh, So those three cards, uh, not legal in Historic. And then we have five digital-only cards being rebalanced. So Davriel's Withering and Soulbroker's third ability now only affect target creature and opponent controls. Faceless Agent is now a 2-2 instead of a 2-1. Sarkin Wanderer to Shiv. Uh, The second ability is now a plus one instead of a a plus zero. And Subversive Acolyte now costs one black instead of black black and is a 2-3 instead of a 2-2. And the toughness increases from becoming a human or Phyrexian is reduced by one. So let's start with the easy part of this, which is the bannings. Tibalt's Trickery, gone. Memory Lapse, technically suspended, which I think pretty much all the cards that have been suspended end up getting banned eventually. There's been very, very few that I can think of. Maybe, I guess, Burning Tree Emissary, was that fully banned and then unbanned? But there haven't been many that have been suspended and then unsuspended. So I assume it'll probably end up getting banned. I feel like these changes are overwhelmingly good. And Brainstorm, of course, was already suspended, so it wasn't legal. So this just kind of codifies that it's gone forever. These changes, I think, are are hugely good for the format. Tibalt's Trickery, it's weird because I play best of three and you don't really, at least I don't really see Tibalt's Trickery decks in best of three. But whenever I end up playing best of one, I run into it a lot and it is really obnoxious to play against. So I feel like that was a good choice. Memory Lapse, it's really obnoxious. Like, is it too powerful in absolute sense? That's kind of tough to say, but Jeskai Control and various control decks have been the best decks in the meta uh, since the last round of bannings, and that is kind of the most obnoxious card in those decks, so I feel like that's kind of a fine change as well. What, what do you think about this, Grim? I wonder, how do you feel about Memory Labs in specific? This blindsided me. <laughs> what like why did we ban memory lapse but okay i guess i mean i guess like if you're gonna ban memory lapse give us like memory uh like mana leak 
right? Or, or something like that. Because I do think that, you know, Historic can run pretty wild without, like, some kind of two-mana counterspell that isn't Essence Scatter. Uh, like, please don't say that that's a nice replacement, because it is not. So, I I don't know. It just seems like a random thing to have happen. Uh, I, I, I guess I understand Tibalt's trickery, because I did run into it enough times in Best of Three on top of that, uh, as Mangu did eventually make a Best of Three version. Interesting. Was it actually good? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it kind of, the game plan was it just boarded into a bunch of uncountable threats, and, and that's, that's all it did. But other than, like, it was to fight the control decks. However, if you weren't a control deck, it would, it would still just be easy mode for you, right? Like, you just pretty much go combo off, and then that's that. So, uh, I, I guess I understand why Tavalt's trickery had to go, but, yeah, like, that, that one makes way more sense. Memory, memory lapse, just, oh, come on. So, so what do you think about the power level of control, though, in the format, Crim? Like, I know you're a control fan, but did you feel at all like control was too good? It had kind of been the top deck in the meta for quite a while. Uh, do you think something from control, even if you disagree with memory lapse in specific, do you think it's fair to target the control decks with some sort of banning? Or do you think the meta would have adjusted eventually or something and it would no longer have been the best deck in the format? I think the power level of control was very much so there. Like, it was tier one, right? And it it was very powerful. It kind of... The only thing here is, like, it did still have its, like, weaker matchups. And, like, it was beatable. Like, as I often... Well, I mean, I guess I had to play blue-black control to beat a control deck. But, I mean, I was going to play blue-black anyways. So, the, the, the thing here is that deck... I think was a bit more powerful than a good amount of the historic decks. So, something did have to go. And, I mean... Was it memory lapse necessarily? I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't think it was that powerful. I think like there, there was maybe like th- th- there's a lot of blue cards that are just in historic right now that are quite powerful, right? Between Archmage's Charm, all this other stuff. So I, you know what? Uh, I guess, I guess it had to go. <laughs> I guess. I think. I think it's kind of funny that whenever we talk about these bannings, many of those decks are expressive iteration decks, like across formats. When we talk about Elrin's Epiphany, we talk about these historic decks. And for some reason, the conversation is never about like, oh, is expressive iteration a busted card that's making all of these other cards busted? But instead, it's like, oh, Elrin's Epiphany has got to get banned. Memory Lapse has got to get banned. Like this kind of keeps coming out, even like Time Warp. And when the the Is It decks were so, so good in historic before the last rounds of banning, a lot of this comes back to decks that are expressive iteration decks do you think there's any conversation to be had about expressive iteration maybe being the problem it seems weird because it's like an upgraded anticipate essentially like it doesn't look like a busted card but that does seem to be the common thread in these decks that are getting cards banned from standard at least all the way back to historic and maybe even back to older formats too i do feel i I agree with that right like I, i think like expressive iteration might be just too good and in that, like, when you think about, like, what, like, where modern is, modern has blue and red, right? Modern, like, blue and red is very powerful right now. And they kind of just introduced most of those cards right into historic, but without any of the, you know, all the other stuff to, like, combat blue-red. So I feel like expressive iteration might be the gel. Like, it it, it kind of slips by most people's eye, and it... it Probably is the glue that holds the deck together, that gives it the consistency, uh, and it gets around things like a Narset. Narset can't shut it off. So there's a lot there that I think is just kind of overlooked about Expressive Iteration when I actually think that is very much so the most powerful thing in the deck. So I'm just going to throw it out what? there that if you look at the history of banned blue cards, right, like Brainstorm, Ponder, <laughs> uh, Preordain, like, it's always these innocuous cards that make your deck, like, highly consistent, give you the card advantage and card selection you need to, you know, play whatever dirtily finisher you have. So, yeah, it is strange that they're hitting Memory Lapse. So it very clearly states in the article, Memory Lapse was just a card played in a lot of blue decks, and blue decks are too good. So they, 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 they gave it the axe, right? So it's interesting they don't look at, you know, known cards, like something like Expressive Iteration, to me is like ponder level right like it's it's just not the linchpin of a storm deck so it hasn't got the full attention yet but you know it is a very strong card that uh follows the trend of all the other strong 
blue kind of advantage selection cards. And I wonder if it's easier to ban Memory Lapse because it's one of the Mystical Archives rather than like a real card from the set. I don't know, like so many of them have been banned and Wizards said when they released them into Historic and printed the Mystical Archives that like, we're going to try this out and some of them might be too good and we're going to have to ban them. So I wonder if their default mode when they need to make a change is like hit the Mystical Archive based on that because it does kind of seem like maybe you could have banned something better than Memory Lapse uh, that would have made more sense. But but maybe it's just the the easy option because players have the expectation based on the release of Mystical Archives that they could be cards that actually need to uh, end up getting banned. I think uh, one more question on Memory Lapse. They kind of had a choice when they release the Mystical Archives. Memory Lapse or Counterspell. Do you think Memory Lapse is actually more powerful than Counterspell or would be in Historic? Like, is that the stronger of the two cards? After playing against, like, it sounds crazy to say that, but after playing against it and having those games where you, like, need a land drop and your opponent hits you with two Memory Lapses in a row and you can't draw the land and you just lose and you're thinking, wow, my opponent just had a Counterspell here, I probably would still be in this game. Is there any argument to Memory Lapse actually just being stronger than Counterspell? You know, I could see that. Right. Like the blue, like also, I mean, this may not seem like much, but the blue, blue cost and the one in a blue cost is a world's difference. Uh, I, I think that memory lapse is definitely very good, but I think counterspell is still the counterspell. Right. So I don't think we can have counterspell. So I guess at the end of the day, I think counterspell is still better, uh, but only by a little bit. I could be behind getting something like Mana Leak into the format. I think you're probably right that Counterspell's a little bit better, although I do think it's closer than I thought when uh, these cards were released into Historic and reprinted with the Mystical Archives. I was thinking Memory Lapse, like, oh, yeah, sure, like, that's a cute Counterspell. We haven't seen it in a while. It ended up being very, very strong. So maybe they can find a middle ground. Maybe something like Mana Leak is the right option. Control, I don't know. I'm not going to feel sorry for Control players because it's been so good for so long in Historic, but it probably could use a better two-mana counter than it has uh, access to in Historic right now. Maybe something like Mana Leak is, uh, is the way to go. Maybe that would be the middle ground between something that's super brutal like memory lapse and uh and the other you know what we have now which is like essence scatters and whatever just like really janky options that are not very effective so we'll see we'll see what happens with historic the good thing about historic is things are always changing so even though control gets hit now the next uh set that releases the next time they decide to add some cards to the format it'll probably be good again what do you guys think about these rebalancings to me that is on one hand the boringest part of this announcement because a lot of them don't really seem to make a huge difference i guess the big takeaway is uh hitting davriel's withering and davriel kind of kills the vesper lark combo deck which again i didn't play against very much in best of three i played against it more when i played best of one but it was kind of a thing the other changes seem relatively small an extra toughness here a small change to a loyalty ability to cards that really don't see a whole lot of play or even really any play in historic at this point i'm not sure that giving subversive acolyte one more toughness is the difference between that being essentially unplayed now and being like super playable now that it's been changed but what do you think about these changes do these changes matter i think is a good first question like is this going to change historic at all other than killing the vesper lark combo uh yeah i mean i don't see the purpose of change i guess like it, it it's another combo and they don't want any kind of combos to exist or anything like that with cards that are digital only uh but i didn't think it was that bad I think people realized it might have been too slow and that it also folds to like graveyard hate very easily. Yeah, it is very disruptable. That's I think I don't know. You play best of one more than I do. Is that something you ran into regularly in best of one? Like I didn't see it very often in best of three. I saw it a bit like right when they release these cards. People were trying it out like the first week. And since then. It hasn't been a deck I've run into in best of three hardly at all. I can count on one hand the number of times I played against it. Is it a thing in best of one? Was it like a tier deck in best of one or was it more of a fringe thing there as well? See, I in best of one, it wasn't as popular there because the better combo was always just, you know, the cascade combo. Just trickery. Yeah, you might yeah. as well just trickery. Well, and maybe that's part of it. They're thinking, well, if we get rid of trickery, all those players, maybe they just move over to this other combo and we still have, a, you know, this combo driven best of one meta. So maybe maybe that's part of it. I think that's probably their thought process, to be honest, because that may, that would make a lot of sense. Right. I mean, the the next combo down would either be a the Vesper Lark or the uh, Neoform, 
and Neoform still technically exists, but I think that I, they don't, I, I think the reason behind it is that they don't want the image to look like, oh, of course there's some digital card only that broke the game, right? Or has an infinite combo. So I think that was the main reason. Like, I, that's probably not what they, they said, but like, I feel like that's a part of it. Like, it, kind of this hidden thing. That, I mean, that makes, that makes some amount of sense. I could see that, that they, they want the digital only cards to be played in the format. I think that's obvious considering they buffed the power on three of them that weren't really seeing play. Whether or not that's going to actually make a difference, that's a, another story, but it seems like they want them to see play, but I'm not sure they want them to be, you know, broken combo pieces that are at the top of the metagame either. What do you think about, I think the most interesting question of all this, uh, Wizards mentioning rebalancing other cards they mentioned they'd like to rebalance for example ban cards they didn't exclusively keep it to just ban cards but the idea that they would like to change other cards to make them playable in historic keep them playable in historic this is a really interesting concept i think we actually have a, a really huge example of what this could look like on this ban list with tibalt's trickery tibalt's trickery is a card that would be incredibly easy to rebalance if you change it so it could only target your opponent's spells tibalt's trickery would be a super fine card that maybe sees a little bit of sideboard play but wouldn't be very good but you wouldn't need to ban it like that one change do you think it's worth changing cards in historic rather than banning them outright outside of digital only cards where the whole gimmick is okay we're gonna do what we want with these cards basically is it worth doing that with other cards i you know this is the thing that i wanted to begin with right like i i've wanted them to be able to just have these digital cards and or use their digital client to just take the shot at rebalancing things. I, I think this is exactly what I wanted. So I'm happy about the change, like, or the ability that they're like to see that they're currently rebalancing cards and taking the time to take advantage of the digital client. So I think this is a bit weird, right? So and like a nerf, right? Making a card worse makes sense, right? Like, so if you had like Tibble's Trickery digital only, you could be like, okay, it's too strong and it's, um, you know, bending the metagame. So we'll, we'll nerf it, right? But with these five cards, what they, well, aside from the one, there's one nerf, right? The other cards are buffs. And that's something we've never seen in Magic. And I don't think it makes any sense uh, when you think in the context of Paper Magic, right? So in Paper Magic... They design bad cards on purpose, right? Like, you know, not every mythic is supposed to be good. There are bad mythics and there are good mythics, right? There are bad commons, there are good commons. So there is no purpose in making the bad ones less bad because, like, they were supposed to be bad to begin with. So that is very strange to me, right? That they're, they're doing this weird balancing act trying to buff cards. But on digital, since all these cards are worth the same, one wild card it makes sense that they're all equal power level, right? But, you know, that doesn't jive with the real magic cards, the paper magic cards, where cards have different values and they're supposed to be bad cards and good cards. So it's it's a little weird, like, they're applying this balancing thing like you would to, like, say, League of Legends or StarCraft, where every character is supposed to be equally viable. In magic, they're not supposed to be. You're supposed to have bad cards. So it, like, makes my brain weird like i can't comprehend this it's it's, it's too much well, right how, like i wouldn't you're to I have wouldn't, bad cards i wouldn't look at this like league right where they're trying to like balance every character or, you know like valorant overwatch any of those right like i i mean think about like just the digital games the other ones like hearthstone hearthstone does it all the time and hearthstone very clearly isn't trying to make it so that every class is playable <laughs> like but but <laughs> but like legitimately i feel like this this has been done right before and it's it just feels like arena is now or magic as a whole is finally catching up to the rest of the digital sphere. Now, everyone that loves, you know, magic for its paper side and, you know, is holding on to that side of magic. That's fine. And I get that. But like if magic is going to move into a digital space, it's got to keep up. And this is this is a huge thing because I mean, yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, You know, it's a weird to abandon the the. It almost feels like the paper ways of the game, but I do think that that it's better for the game in the long run, especially when most of it's going to like what feels like a majority of its competitiveness is going to be going to a digital client. I kind of had already talked about this a while back in that if magic is going like I mean, like if digital magic 
is pretty much where competitive is going to go. It's what I think. Uh, and, and digital and competitive, that's going to go hand in hand. And if that's the case, this is the best way to make your tournament scenes not miserable. And, you know, you can still, like, have some fun along the way. Like, you know, you can try new things. Uh, this allows you to, like, tweak cards and just try a bunch of different stuff. I don't know if the future of competitive magic is going to be digital or not. If you ask me, like, two years ago or three years ago, I probably would have said, yes, I do think that's the direction. However, <clears throat> with how the last couple of years have played out, I'm really not sure anymore. Like, we still have a spectator mode. We still, there's a lot of things that they haven't done if their plan is to make digital an arena the home for competitive play. And we just haven't seen action on that. And whenever we hear Wizards talk about it, they don't even make it sound like it's something that they're interested in or a priority. It's like, oh, you know, that would be nice. Maybe 10 years from now, you know, we'll find an intern who feels like working on it or something. But so I, I'm not actually sure that that's what the future is going to hold anymore. I do think I'm fully on board with changing the digital only cards. Like, I don't care. Buff them, nerf them. I do think that if they nerf cards, they should refund players wild cards. Like, I think Davriel and Davriel's Withering is a pretty good example. Like, those aren't cards you bought to be bad removal spells. You bought them to be broken combo pieces. You bought them with the expectation that you're going to be able to play the Vesper Lark combo, nerfing them to kill the one deck that they were actually playable in. That's pretty close to banning them. Like, sure, the card is technically legal. You can still put it in a deck for fun, but there's not really any competitive potential, I don't think, for Davriel anymore now that this banning's happened. So I do think if they nerf cards, they at least need to give the, the players an option to get their wild card back, which is something Hearthstone does. Hearthstone does yes. the same thing. If they nerf a card, uh, they give you the option to dust it for full value, basically, for X period of time. So you have the choice. If you no longer want the card, you can give it back. You can get your wild cards back. If you want to keep the new version, that's pretty perfectly fine too it's up to you so i do think that they just should uh at a minimum give players the option to get their wild cards back when they nerf cards if they buff a card i don't know like maybe they should still give players the option but i'm less concerned about uh, when they buff a card and the card actually gets better i am a little nervous about rebalancing non-digital only cards there's a lot of weirdness that could happen there like tibble's trickery it seems like an obvious card to rebalance but it's also legal and standard and it would be really really weird to have tibble's trickery work one way in standard in another way in historic and then you know another way in paper as well so there is some complexity issues if you go too far like what do you think uh, what about teferi we had the event a little while ago where they took a bunch of band cards and changed them and did an event with them in historic to see what they were like do we want to see that would we like to see them take oko and teferi and omnath other cards that have been banned or too good for the format and nerf them and re-release them into historic is a new version like, is that a positive or a negative for the game? Like, it's probably good for historic, but it's also really weird that your Teferi is going to play differently in modern than it does in historic. And if the card's legal and standard, it would probably play different in standard than it does in historic. Would that be a good or a bad choice for arena overall and the game overall? I think that, like, I guess I feel like that's got to be a positive, right? I mean... Being able to fix your cards, I mean, hate to say it, but yeah, like fixing the mistakes that are released and whatnot, like, yeah, that's got to be a positive. I'm starting to think it doesn't matter, right? Like if you're super casual and you don't know about these like errata updates, you just play with the old text. Like what does it matter, right? <laughs> like you're super <laughs> casual, like it doesn't matter. If you are playing like seriously, uh, you know, you're entering tournaments that as part of the tournament entry, they should say like, these are the new updates to the cards, right? And you should play with these cards, uh, with these card rules, uh, just like we know, like hostage taker has different text or something, right? Like maybe there's just five to 10 cards that have different text that's relevant in the meta. So like, yes, it's weird if you're flipping between F and M and tournament play and playing with your friends, but I feel that's not that common. And like, maybe you should just bite the bullet and have cards be bad. Like, would you rather play Alrin's Epiphany forever or would you rather them just rebalance it? You know, what about Field of the Dead or Oko? Like, would you rather not just play with these cards rather than just have them banned outright? 
I feel like if they do it, the card has to have the same text everywhere. My concern, like, uh, isn't so much the rebalancing, because I do, at least to some extent, agree. Like, I would rather have watered down Epiphany than have to play Epiphany again and again, or whatever. Like, uh, have a card change rather than banned. I do think that I would like that. But I also think that having the same card with the same exact text in the same exact name, playing one way in one format and another, having different text in a different format, I feel like that is the worst case scenario like if you're going to change epiphany i think you got to just literally errata epiphany everywhere yeah, but, and have it have but your different text for every format right but the it would play the same everywhere it's just your oracle yeah. text on your card is wrong and then you can solve that by using a secret layer version where there's no oracle text <laughs> I mean, cards get perfect. there's so many versions today. You can't read all of them. Like that's what's kind of sold me on the fact yeah. that maybe the text on the cards doesn't matter at this point, just because I can't read part of the cards that are printed. Like I think Aaron Forsyth said that. Like he sits down to play a game of Commander and he doesn't know all the cards on the opponent's side of the battlefield, and he's the one that's made the game and been doing this forever. There's so many different versions and different levels of comprehensibility that maybe the the text on the card is not that important at this point. Anyway, any other thoughts on on the historic situation, bannings, rebalancings before we move on to other topics? All right. So next up today, we just got an article this morning from Mark Rosewater talking about changes to the color pie in 2021. Uh, some things doing uh, some colors doing things that they haven't done before and not doing things that they did in the past. Richard, what were some of the big takeaways from this article? All right. Uh, you can check the article on the Wizards website. It's fairly long and detailed, but we've pulled out some interesting points here. Uh, so in the card draw section, they basically detailed how each color is allowed to draw cards. Um, so blue is the best card draw color. Black needs to pay life. Green is tied to creatures. Uh, red is impulse draw. And the new text here is white is limited to drawing over time instead of all at once. So once per turn limit, although multiplayer does allow you to draw multiple cards sometimes, depending on how many opponents you have, but basically one card per turn for white. <laughs> So they're doubling it's, down it's, on the meme. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's kind of hilarious that they finally decided to give white card draw and codify how it draws cards. And they picked such a horrible way. Now it's like official that white is bad at drawing cards, essentially. Like before we would meme on the fact that white was bad at drawing cards. Now Wizards is just telling us straight up like white sucks at drawing cards. Deal with it. Like that's that's kind of how it uh, comes across to me, at least. Like, is this even a good solution? Does this matter for commander when you have other colors that can just refill their hand with a wheel or a blue zone zenith like all the other colors have some sort of refill your hand mechanism white is arguably the color that needs that most because they're such an aggressive color and white gets draw a card per turn like is this a satisfactory solution to uh, the white issues we've been talking about for the last year it would be if it were not just themselves like if it were a lot like spirit of the labyrinth Nobody can draw more than one a turn. Ah, uh -huh, so embrace the taxing aspect, basically. I, I think that's how it should have been, at least for white. Like, I definitely agree that probably cards like Narset were more so, like, correct in white. Like, three mana Narset. So, yeah. I, I think that's still true here today. I mean, I still contend that white shouldn't get card draw. Like, you don't need, like, all these limitations are not real limitations. Like, green, you must have a creature. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, black, <laughs> you must pay life. I have 40 life. Who cares? Right. Like red is like, oh, you, you need to play the card immediately. Well, you know, when you, you tack it on to Jessica's will, you know, I can play all the cards immediately anyway. Right. Like none of these quote unquote downsides really matter. It's just everyone's drawing cards and all colors don't need to be the same. Right. So white can have other abilities to make up for its inability to draw cards, but they're just doubling down and giving you like bad card draw. So I, I, I don't know. Right. Like one a turn is terrible. Right? Like, you don't want that unless it's, like, literally a Ristic Study and you paid one mana for it, right? Like, you need all the cards now, right? Like, tempo and time is important, and card selection is important. So, they're just doubling down and making it bad. Uh, I don't like that. I'd rather them just make more Teferi's Protections or something like that and, and call it a day <laughs> for white. Like, ugh. Yeah. I mean, it feels like if you're going to go through the... The hassle of changing the color pie to let white draw cards, 
you probably got to go all the way. This kind of very much feels like a half measure to me. Like, okay, everyone complained so much. We got to give white card draw. But the way that they did it is just so not good. So you get the downside of breaking the color pie and the downside of white still being pretty bad at drawing cards. So it's hard for me to see the the real upside of this solution for anyone. Like, I don't think commander players are going to be thrilled now that their white deck can maybe draw one card a turn. <laughs> and I don't think that it's good for anyone that the color pie is being broken without any benefit. So, so yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess it's better than nothing to some extent, but definitely not exciting uh, the way that they fixed white card draw, at least for me. To just tie it to gaining life so people actually have a reason to gain life. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, like, well, I guess that'd be kind of annoying. Like, imagine how, like, good soul, like, what is it? Soul Warden would be if it, every life you drew, you gained, a, like, you drew a card. Holy cow. One, once per turn. Once, once per, per turn. turn. Oh, then, then, okay, sure, sure, sure. Then perfect. <laughs> All right. So on the blue front, uh, they basically said for transformations, uh, blue is no longer allowed to exile or destroy a creature and create a token so like raven swarm uh but they are allowed to transform something now uh or they, they they've reiterated that that's still eligible uh so for example imprisoned in the moon or something like that or maybe like kenris transformation so that's okay but raven's form is, is no good I mean, I didn't like Raven's form for a couple different reasons. One is it exiled artifacts, which just seems incredibly non-blue. And the token it gave was only a 1-1, so it seemed pretty useless. It's not like you were transforming into something that might actually do serious damage to, especially in a format like Commander when you have 40 life. The downside of this, though, wouldn't this mean like Pongify, Rapid Hybridization, are no longer are no longer available to blue. Those are cards that have long been blue staples of commander. And I don't know if we need more of them, but I think I am glad that those cards exist. It's, it's, it's a color pie break, which we'll just use forever. Like mana tithe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, I, I guess mean, we have two already, right? We have Do we two. need more? Like, I mean, it's good enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, I guess it's good enough. And I do think blue's better when it's using like enchantments, you know, frogify or whatever that you put on a creature and turn it into a lone one frog. Like to me, that feels much more blue than, than Raven form felt at least. Like I think curse of swine was a big break, right? Uh, which is Ooh. like mega <laughs> Raven's form, right? Where you exile like X creatures and replace them with two, two pigs. Like blue is supposed to not have removal and you're just supposed to bounce and hope for the best. Right. Uh, you know, do stuff like that. So I, I like this ability. And so I, I think, you know, Pongify, Curse of Swine, like we already have a couple of those, good enough. We don't need to make any more. And then Blue will just have to rely on like Etherize to stay alive. Like, I, I think have I figured it out. We're good, right? Does, I mean, does that you mean can, you didn't you like can... Reality Shift? Mm, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I think one mm. for one is less egregious than like a, blue board wipe so <laughs> i i don't really like curse of swine my big issue with raven form itself was really the artifact part like that's the part that really bothered me about raven form like if it was the same thing but only hit creatures i probably wouldn't super like it but i'd be okay with it but exiling an artifact efficiently is just so not blue to me all right. What if they can Raven form, but only once each turn? <laughs> <laughs> I think we fixed it, Wizards. That <laughs> might still a, be email to Mark. <laughs> a problematic. <laughs> All right. Last thing is Vigilance. Blue is getting Vigilance now. Um, they're trying to get it out of green. I mean, <laughs> this is basically a limited thing. You know, like, okay, we, we need something for blue and limited. We're giving them Vigilance. Uh, but then they wanted to remove it from green, but like green kind of needs vigilance too. So we'll what let blue it? and green be have vigilance. Um, I don't know what that means or why we care about vigilance, but it, it means like your finishers in limited, like your six mana six six or whatever is going to have vigilance going forward in blue. Honestly, I didn't know that blue didn't get vigilance until I read this article and we were talking about it like it just never connected to me. I just thought every color got vigilance to some extent. I didn't think blue was one of the primary colors that got it a lot, but I, I never actually realized that was something that blue like didn't have access to. But then looking at the cards, it is kind of true. There's a couple of couple of weird ones throughout Magic's history, but really, for the most part, blue never really has had vigilance. So, yeah, 
whatever, I guess. I, I, this feels like a change that isn't super impactful to Constructed. All right. So you can check out the article on the Wizards website. There, there's a ton. It's like a giant one. They have one, which is the full color pie article. And then they have one that shows you the difference. So like what they actually changed from the last iteration. So you can check that out. See if there's any gems you can dig up there. But I think those are the kind of the big ones. Uh, that we can talk about. Well, the other big piece of news this week was we got a bunch more secret layer drops. Another super drop series. I think there's eight of them all together. A bunch of cool rebrands, cool art. There's like old Innistrad lands and the black and white kind of Innistrad Midnight Hunt showcase style. Some good reprints. There's grave crawlers in there somewhere. Uh, Razakath, another pretty high value card. But the big one is we got our second secret layer X. The universe is beyond on secret layer drops featuring another IP. This time it was Stranger Things. We knew it was coming, but we actually got the cards this week and they actually went for sale today. All of these uh, secret layer drops. So I guess we talk a little bit about this layer drop. I don't know. Richard, why don't you get us through it? I know if we're going to go through each and every card, but give people a sense of what this layer drops about, at least before we talk about it. All right. Eight cards. Uh, one new mechanic, which is friends forever. Uh, so the all of the kids and uh jim hopper has friends forever you can have two commanders if they both have friends forever uh so basically partners uh and the key here is you can do 5c partners um but so l is grixis you're welcome yeah uh everyone else is two colored they're all kind of mediocre and then we also have the mind player um so i guess i'll I'll go over some of the, the, the better cards, I guess. So Jim Hopper is Boros, 4-mana, 4-4, Menace. Uh, when Jim Hopper attacks, investigate once for each non-token creature attacking. Uh, Dustin is a 4-mana, 2-3. Tap Dustin to add uh, 2 colorless mana, only for artifact spells or activated abilities. So pretty meh. Uh, Max the Daredevil is Gruel, 3-mana, three 3-2, three, Haste. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, untap target creature, then investigate. Uh, Lucas, is it 1-mana, 2-mana, uh, 1-3, tap, sacrifice an artifact, deals 1 damage to target creature, goad that creature. They're all kind of like this, uh, so I'm not going to read the rest of the kids. Uh, Mind Flayer and L are interesting. So Mind Flayer is a 7-mana, 9-9. Um, it isn't a creature unless you control three or more permanents you don't own. At the beginning of your end step, exile the bottom card of each opponent's library face down. For as long as those cards remain exiled, you may look at them. You may cast permanent spells from among them, and you may spend mana as though a mana of any color. And L is Grixis, four mana, three, five. Your maximum hand size is 11. When 11 attacks, you draw a card, you lose one life. Then if you have 11 or more cards in your hand, you may cast an instant or sorcery, from your hand without paying its mana cost. Also worth mentioning, uh, all legendary creatures. So you can play them all as your commanders. What do you uh, what do you think of these cards in terms of power level? Uh, obviously, the designs, I guess, are relatively flavorful. The art has Stranger Things characters. So if you're a fan of the show, you're going to know the characters. You're probably going to like the cards. But what about actual gameplay with these cards? Like, how many of these cards could you imagine playing in your commander deck flavor aside you're not you know building around stranger things or something just in a you know a normal commander deck uh, how many of these do you think are actually playable i i mean i think that i'm a little biased because i i love everything about <laughs> these cards but i i think they're all playable um it, it, to some extent right because i mean you have your artifact commander you have your grixis control commander you've got every bit uh like like i really like lucas so there's a lot here um and they're all kind of just generally cool effects that are attached to it the only one that i'm not sure how good it, it is is probably the mind flayer interesting i think for me i think most of the cards are pretty low powered uh as far as i don't really see many that are going to be like commander staples obviously you could build a deck around all of them and build a fun deck and they have some interesting effects so they're not bad cards uh, in that sense but i don't see any uh, many cards that i would consider to be commander staples we're gonna have to feel like okay i have to get this stranger things card to be competitive quote unquote or keep up with you know the rest of my play group the closest for me would probably be 
Chief Jim Hopper. That's a that's a card that I could imagine playing in a lot of Boros decks. I feel like Boros has a lot of creatures. Uh, if you're playing some sort of Boros creature deck, this seems like a really good source of card advantage in the 99. I also think the Mind Flayer is pretty good in like a Gonti style deck. If you're playing a Thief style deck, I feel like this is probably an auto include, but it is a lot of mana, but it is a way you can steal multiple cards each turn. You're essentially drawing three cards from your opponent's deck each turn on a potentially big body. The rest of the cards, I don't know. The rest of the cards feel relatively safe to me. Like you can play them if you want to and you can build a deck around them and it's not that they're horrible, but none of them feel like cards I feel I need to have in my deck for my deck to be good. I hate these cards. <laughs> these cards are so bad. Like, I'm not even that big of a Stranger Things fan. It's like, I watched the whole series. I enjoyed it, but I'm not, like, a diehard fan. These cards have nothing to do with the series. Like, 11? Your maximum hand size is 11? Like, that seems like the intern didn't watch the show, and they're like, oh, well, the name is 11, so clearly you have 11 cards in hand, right? You're like, what is this? Why are, why are the kids, like, three twos? Why are they bigger than Thalia? Why are they bigger than a human <laughs> token? Like, I'm so confused. And like, oh, clearly these you don't understand bad. friends forever. <laughs> man, 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 man. They, they, they should get like a buff when they're both on the battlefield or something. Right. But like, I, I had this inkling this would be a problem where if you're a fan of the IP, it'll be impossible for the cards to satisfy you. Right. And already here, I'm just like, these abilities don't feel flavorful to me, right? Like, yes, Dustin builds things. I guess he's an artificer now, right? But, like, tap to add two colorless, like, eh. Jim Hopper's a 4-4? Like, what? <laughs> right? Well, he's naturally, he's drawing you cards because he's investigating, I guess, right? But, ugh, so bad. I, I, I dread Street Fighter. I dread Street Fighter now. <laughs> like, when they're, like, Chun-Li multi-kicker, I'm like, yeah. Like, now I understand why you go there, right? Like, oh. So, so what do you think about the idea that these cards are not really for Magic players? Like, if you're a Magic player and you know the show, you might not like these cards that much. Like Richard is saying, like, they didn't really hit the mark flavor-wise. They don't seem super powerful. But if you're a Stranger Thing fan who's not a Magic player... You probably don't care about any of this. You don't care about adding two mana only spent artifacts spells. Like it could say anything on there. You're buying them because you like Stranger Things, and it's a cool Stranger Thing collectible. And maybe you try them in a game sometime. And if you're a brand new player, they're probably going to be super fun and fine. Like maybe that's how Wizards is looking at this. These are Magic cards that are not primarily designed for Magic players, but designed for the fans of the IP that they are featuring. What do you I, care about man. untapping creatures and investigating if you're a fan of Stranger Things? Like, I mean, it's got to have some text on it. <laughs> like, you got to have some words. Like, that's how magic cards work. Like they they should have made, I don't know, like more time. They should have made, like, made it silver bordered ish, right? Where you can, like, make more things such that it encapsulates the flavor. Like, I don't know why Will doesn't, like, come back from the graveyard or something. Like, why does he investigate? Like, what? And why is Mike a reanimator? Well, I'm like so confused, right? Like, I don't like it should just like throw in stuff from the show and like make them tokens or something, right? Like maybe Lucas gets like a fireworks token or something, right? Instead of being like a sharpshooter, right? So or he gets his equipment, you know, his slingshot is his equipment. But as is, it's just weird. And as a fan of the show, like, yeah, you get the cool art, but the abilities don't tie to it. I'd rather just see like real actual Stranger Thing cards. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. And I mean, we we saw the same feedback a little bit with Adventures in the Forgotten Realm, which is even more magic adjacent. But there was definitely some criticism from people who really knew D&D well about specific cards. I think the Tarisk was probably the the biggest one that people were like, well, this is just like those abilities don't really match up to what this character is in our game. So it does seem like a really tough position for wizards to be in like i don't know if they can make these universes beyond cards in a way that's going to make everyone happy like there's just so many different groups that you need to try to satisfy and i don't know if it's possible to thread the needle that way like imagine they made spider-man and he's like he's a three mana one three with reach right, <laughs> <laughs> right? He, he has webs i yeah. don't i don't think this is that bad right like this i feel like this for the most part, it makes sense, right? Mike brings go, leads the group to bring Will back, right? And so that's like a reanimator. 
Okay, explain to me, L, the, the Grixis. Like, you're a Grixis mage. Yeah. Tell me why the maximum hand size is 11 is relevant I, to her. I feel like maybe it's the fact that it her name is 11, and that might be a little too <laughs> on the nose for you, right? Like, like, but it, but it, but like, it has nothing to do with any of her abilities from really? the show, right? Or anything. Well, no, because, like, example, she, like, obviously has, you know, the increased, uh, what is it, brain power, if you will. <laughs> I, I feel like the increased hand size does make sense. It is, I, I think specifically, I, I would have rather this be instead like a reliquary tower. But 11, I guess, is just for the flavor of the, na- of the name. And I mean, it makes it work with the second ability, which if it was no max hand size, I don't know. You'd still need a number there for the free casting of instant or sorcery. So it does make a little bit of sense, but it is pretty on the nose to the point where, I don't know, I was asking people on stream about it and it seemed like overall people thought that part was was pretty cheesy, having it refer directly to the name. So uh, they probably could have found a different way to word it that, <laughs> that didn't refer to the name directly. <sighs> Should have been a planeswalker. Should have been a planeswalker. <laughs> I mean... I guess they could do way cooler she things. She literally if they walks didn't have the to worry about the cards being the... legal. <laughs> she goes <laughs> different worlds in the thing. <laughs> like what? Come on. Yeah, right. I, I guess I'm kind of surprised that there aren't any planeswalkers in this uh, in this group. So, well, the other good news we got was uh, the magic versions of these cards are coming in the spring uh, with new Caprina in the set boosters there, and Wizards is greatly increasing the drop rate on those cards to the point where you're going to get one of the magic versions of the secret layer cards, one in eight packs uh, of set boosters for new Caprina. So one of the, cons- the the real only concern that I had about these cards was uh, accessibility issues. You put them in a secret layer, the secret layer goes away after a few weeks, a few days, uh, and then uh, there's just no more supply entering the market. And when Wizards announced they were going to put them on the list, the list is just so low supply that I didn't feel like that was going to be a satisfactory way to reprint the cards. But with Wizards increasing the drop rate so much, I think it was going to be fine. So if you love Stranger Things, you can snag the secret layer drop. If you don't care about Stranger Things, you can wait till the spring and you should be able to pick up the magic versions of all these cards pretty inexpensively based on how high the drop rate is going to be uh, in New Caprina. Did they say is friends forever a magic word now? Like, so the the Nuka Pena cards will say friends forever on them? So they confirm that it's not going to be partner. I don't know if they specifically said the magic versions are going to have friends forever or not, but they did say that it's not. They're not going to change it to partner when they release the magic versions. So it's going to be its own thing. I assume it just remains friends forever. Uh, So, yeah. I mean, I'm glad it's not partner, but... Yeah, yeah. Partner would have been overpowered. We don't. We don't need more just generic partners. Uh, in general. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's also that like the last thing we need, right? <laughs> I mean, turns out like Gandalf and the Fellowship are friends forever as well. So, <laughs> hey, I, I mean, I, like, why I would you not? Right? Why would you not want to partner like L with Gandalf? Like, if you're thinking from universes beyond perspective, like, why not? Right? I mean, that, I'm not gonna lie I mean, to you. Maybe, that sounds like a meme, but I kind of think that'd be cool. Not because I enjoy Gandalf. I think we all know I don't. But the thing here is, it's more of just entertaining the idea to me that. I could. Yeah, you can play these cards together, which would be a big appeal, right? Yeah, maybe it's Secret Lair Partner. <laughs> partner with Secret Lair. <laughs> partner with Universes well, Beyond. Like, how mad would you be if they they said, like, the the mechanic is Fellowship, and two two commanders can be, be in your command zone if they have Fellowship, and they put, like, the party from Lord of the Rings in there. What, what do you think about these, that like, would be segregated awkward. ones? Because why is this just not Partner? I think because legitimately the pairs would just be too broken, right? Like like it, I mean, like I what think, you could pair yeah. all of these cards with, like it would just be too powerful. I think that could be a concern. Although most of these cards aren't super pushed in my opinion, but I would guess that was a reason not to make them partner is just uh, the concern that something would end up getting broken because partner is so powerful. Yeah. Anyway, any other thoughts on uh, on the secret layer cards before we answer some fish mail? Let's fish mail it. All right. If you have questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail. We'll get to your questions on air. Uh, Ron Bolofsky, things like Epiphany seem to get out of hand and annoying to play against when three or four get chained together, whereas one or two is usually manageable. Would bringing the idea of restricted uh, into non-vintage formats fix the issue? 
Ooh. So we actually only have one in your deck. <laughs> I would actually, I would love to see that, right? But it, I mean, I, or more just restricted things. So I think it's more complicated than people realize. Uh, if you never actually played Vintage, because Vintage is a format that uses restrictions, decks are mostly about finding the restricted card. So you just play a ton of tutors, you play a ton of cantrips to find the uh, the busted restricted cards. I don't know if we would enjoy that play pattern in standard. So uh, I don't know. I, I lean towards it actually not being the solution that people think it is. It's one of those things that it sounds like a great idea because yeah, one epiphany is not going to be broken, but when you consider what it does to deck building and the play patterns of the format, I feel like people might actually end up not liking it once they played with standard with the, uh, some restricted cards. All right. Uh, th this week is Epiphany Week, by the way. A lot of our questions are on Epiphany. Uh, so what are you doing 17? One of the big arguments for banning Epiphany is how unfun it is to play against. The argument for not banning it is wait for Crimson Vow. Uh, realistically or not, what could Crimson Vow have that makes Epiphany fun to play against? Um, Opposition agent. I Epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would just have to be a hate card, right? I don't even know yeah. how they do it, but some sort of can-tripping hate card that just shuts down what Epiphany does. So I don't think they could print something that would make Epiphany fun, but maybe they could print something that would make it less good, uh, and that would probably be our best hope. Shouldn't we just ban it? it, it seems <laughs> do you think like they should ban it now? You, like, it seems like we don't want to play against it, and our idea of fixing it is to make it so bad that no one plays it. <laughs> <laughs> so like why don't we just ban it my only argument is we do have another set coming out soon like i would be fine with them banning it but i'm kind of in the point where it's only a couple weeks we're going to be in spoiler season i don't know if people are really like actively not having fun with the format and not playing standard because of it maybe it's worth it just doing it now i do think it's going to happen eventually so i guess maybe that's the argument for just getting it over with rather than waiting another month for a new set to come out and still having epiphany be dominant and then banning it but i don't know do, do you see any world crim where epiphany survives until rotation next year or are we no. just counting down the clock until we do eventually ban it i don't know if that's just because that's the only way i can honestly like in my head it helps me just be at ease knowing that it's okay i'll just wait it out eventually it gets banned so i have to believe that it will because i think the card is extremely annoying i mean they need to stop making extra turns that doesn't change like no matter what cards they print it doesn't change the fact that there are still extra turn cards so i yeah. hope that it gets banned i do not think it'll make it to rotation how many blue cards will get banned before epiphany gets banned that's the question right <laughs> like like think eldraine like think of all the layers of cars they had to ban <laughs> right and then like eventually you know they decide you know this is the problem and then that is the problem and this is the problem like at the end of the day it's not fun when your opponent takes like three turns and you take none so no matter how bad that is you should just remove it just like land destruction or counter spells or whatever right like it's just not fun even if it's beatable so you might as well just remove it i do think they're going to stop printing extra turn spells after this into standard i really i really think that they are going to treat it like land destruction or something we just got to get through the through the Elrond's epiphany because the last two that they've made have Horrible. really have really went yeah really went poorly for the standard format and maybe there's a way they can make really creative ones with big drawbacks like you know chance encounter or whatever things like that maybe are fine but i don't think we're going to see cards like this again in the near future in standard it's just a matter of I mean, surviving standard until <laughs> epiphanies until epiphany is gone i don't mean i think you guys have convinced me maybe just ban it now because i think we all think it's gonna have to be banned and i'm expecting two weeks after you know crimson vow releases we're gonna get the bnr and it's gonna be gone because they're gonna want people to buy crimson vow cards or whatever and no one's gonna want to play standard so i do think it's inevitable maybe there's no point in waiting and having you know unfun standard for the next few weeks for no real good reason i don't know i don't know why they're waiting Right. Like I, I feel like, oh, well, you know, maybe something will work itself out. Right. It's like I just don't see a situation where all of a sudden, ah, oh, wow, extra turn spells are fun. You know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, yes. Can't wait. You know, like it just doesn't make sense. Uh, like the, why why are they delaying it? I guess is my question. It's fun. Yeah. For I uh, person casting it. 
I don't even know if that's necessarily true. <laughs> like it feels miserable all around. I don't know. I feel pretty good when I take three extra turns and my opponent does nothing, you know? Pretty high five at everyone when that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> It's like, yeah, I logged on to play Solitaire. Of course, that's what I'm doing. Yes. <laughs> uh, next question. Bicycle. If mass artifact removal like Vandal Blast and Bane of Progress are considered okay in so many EDH groups, players uh, should players reconsider their views on Armageddon effects? For artifact or non-green decks, mass artifact removal is often 50 to 80% mana denial or worse. Artifact uh, removal? Like, uh, like, is a Bane of Progress just as dirty too, as an Armageddon? <laughs> right? Not at all. I think, that's, I think that's the question. I mean, I, at least I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't really see it that way either. I feel like every deck in general, I know there's a couple of weird Beltry exceptions, but every deck has to play lands. Not every deck has to play artifacts, so I, I think there is a pretty big difference there. Yeah. I just don't think so, that, like, it, it... Like, I definitely don't think, like, artifacts are a must. You know what I mean? Like, lands kind of are, turns out. I mean, artifacts are a must, but 50% is not 100. What if Armageddon just halved your lands? Would that be okay? What is this? Because, Thanos? like, you're right, like, people <laughs> Vandal Blast, and you're sitting there with four mana now, and you're like, okay, my game is over, right? Because I, I lost my three mana rocks, and that's it for me, right? So I can see that argument, but, you know, Armageddon removes all lands. So, you know, what if we just, like, halved your mana? That'd probably be, that would probably be fine, I think. If there was a way, yeah, if there was a way to do that, I think I would be okay with that. I don't know. I guess people would probably still be salty about it, but I personally would not be salty about it. Armageddon that only hit half your lands. I don't like, understand. Like cards that do this? Well, you like, have like, just assume tragic arrogance now can instead just be lands. <laughs> yeah, cataclysm. Yeah. It's basically that, Yeah. I don't know. I guess maybe it is one of the reasons why green is so powerful and played so much because you don't need to uh, because exactly what we're talking about. Like there is a taboo against blowing up lands, but it's OK to blow up artifacts. So that pushes you to play green because you can ramp with lands. And you don't got to worry about your artifacts being uh, blown up. So I do see where the, the question is coming from. But uh, I don't know. I don't. Th do you think that Vandal Blast is like a dirty card that you shouldn't play? I've never seen it on its salty list or even really heard it, heard it talked about in a way similar to Armageddon. This is the first time I've really heard that suggestion, but I don't know. I don't think... Should we I not play Vandal Blast? No. <laughs> like, is it too mean? No, Vandal Blast is totally fine. Like, <laughs> I think Vandal Blast is a must, right? Like, there should be things that dis... Like, you know, kind of make it so that it's not just a free win for some opponents, right? Like, I mean, you gotta have stuff like that in the format. You just gotta... Like, like, I don't think it's as game ending as getting Armageddon, but like, you know, after onto inversion, there's one person that's not playing any magic anymore, right? Like they're sitting there with like four lands, their commander's dead. They can't recast it. Their banner rocks are all gone. Like their game is over. So effectively you Armageddon them, but they still have four lands. They could theoretically still claw back. Right. And I think that hope is the difference between like a vein of progress and, uh, and Armageddon. Armageddon, there's no hope, right? You're not hitting, like, six consecutive land drops and then ripping, I don't know, Ristic Study or something to, like, claw <laughs> back in, right? So... It's... Yeah, it's the, the psychological thing, just like yeah. how players really hate to get something countered, but if they play it and it resolves and then it gets Doomblade, they're kind of okay with it. It sounds like very similar to that situation. Yeah, and I, I don't think we're going away from this, right? Like, I, I think the whole point of Magic is to play your cards. So if you're stopped from doing that, I think people are not happy because like I know like I played with Armageddon back in the day and I don't know how relevant it is now, but like you held your lands, you played more mana rocks because you knew an Armageddon was coming at some point and it was okay, right? I don't know if that still holds up in 2022, uh, but like, you know, green definitely gets advantages from the fact that no one plays uh, land destruction, right? Like the best thing you can be doing is just ramping, 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 and then playing bombs, and no one can remove your lands. So you're just like untouchable. And I don't know how you rein that in without actual land balancing, which is taboo. I mean, we could just say heck yeah and allow people to pop off with uh with uh but land the, destruction. But then you, <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> I don't know if you're ever going to sell <laughs> most players on Armageddon being a card that we should play more of. I mean, I think you can design hate cards that could deal with green. Like, like there are position agent. That's no good. <laughs> no, no, not necessarily opposition agent. But what about like, I mean, something that puts exactly a player with the most lands sacrifices lands down to whoever has the least lands or maybe that's too abusable maybe the person with the second fewest lands so the someone couldn't do you know belcher shenanigans and not have any lands on the battlefield but there has to be ways to punish someone for getting too far ahead on lands compared to the best of the uh the rest of the table i think there are designs that can do it we just haven't seen many of them and we saw uh, what was the the blue enchantment that was supposed to be the answer in standard and never did anything oh confounding uh, conundrum yeah, confounding conundrum. Like, that's probably not quite good enough to really punish it, and it's only in one color. But I think that we could have designs that were successful at doing what confounding conundrum was trying to do. All right, last question before we head out. Benjamin with I. Hey, Seth, is Josh Allen the real deal who can take your bills to the Super Bowl? Also, why is Epiphany still legal? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is this the I'm year, Seth? Can- is this the year? <sighs> As a Bills fan, uh, I can't ever say it's the year without jinxing it. Uh, at least that's what I've been told. Uh, but this is the best the Bills have been in a long time. So if any year was possibly going to be their year, it might be this one. So, so yeah, I think uh, I still haven't come to grips with it. But the Bills might actually be good for the first time in my adult life, for sure. Most of my life, really. So, so yes, yeah, this, this might be the one. We'll see. Hopefully it keeps going well. Is that hope I'm hearing? Is that Tom there's, Brady's there's music actually, I'm hearing? <laughs> I, I, it, it's a weird feeling as a Bills fan, uh, but yeah, I think it actually is. I, I'm pretty hopeful that the Bills might actually be like legitimately one of the best teams in the NFL this year, which is kind of exciting. All right. So thanks to everyone who sent in fish mail this week. If you have questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail or get your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 351 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have an amazing week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out.